anymore it wasn't that hideous like look it, oh it was no just it a was little it was it was awful we can we can be real about this it was awful i mean we all made the great gazoo jokes but like look at, <laughs> right. but the super look mario at brothers of, jokes of, like. of race car helmets it's in the name of safety and guys don't die anymore I mean, we love that. No, I mean, I look, I agree that probably more people should have just run with it, but I I understand why people didn't. And I'm I'm glad that we have a less aesthetically terrible option now. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I guess I'm as as we move from Willet's Pen to Casual Die Hard, um, I am I, I guess I have a heart for putting things out in the real world that maybe weren't ready to be out in the real world just yet. <laughs> Look, I gotta say, the thing is, I would have said that the big dumper boxers were not ready to be in the world, and the world said, we're ready. So <laughs> would you, you have to try. Yeah, yeah. We learned. Um, we, we learned a lot. And... Now we will have an actual plan, and I think that that will that will be better. I think that <laughs> plan over no plan, and I think that that'll show in today's podcast, for which I have no notes. So we have I'm- no plan. <laughs> we have no plan. This is a classic no plan recording. Well, that's we have, not quite true. We have one plan. We have one we note. Have one single question. But, wow, it's fun, Jesse, that we've both come with um, a different beverage than usual, a different caffeinated beverage. Than I also usual. have this strange, oh. I don't even know what it is. Wow. Okay. This, this, I, I, is I guess a, this is a grocery outlet special. I don't know. Do we? Do you have grocery outlet on the on the East Coast? I don't even know no. what that is. It is. Okay. So it's like TJ Maxx for food, basically. Okay. Chic. And it is so chaotic. So chaotic. Trader Schmoes. Trader Schmoes. Yes, exactly. Like, it's all name brand stuff, but it's all, like, out of season or, like, overstock from grocery stores that went out of business or, like... Um, I feel like I could spend a million dollars there. Oh, my God. Or, like, they have... Sometimes they have, like, test flavors of stuff that, like, either they're still, like, market testing or they market tested and aren't making and they have, like, leftover stop love so periodically you get oh, stuff that you're like i'm never gonna find this again what are you drinking? You mountain it? dew yeah exactly is it, a, uh, is it a seltzer water it, it's it's sort of yeah they're calling it a soda it's really somewhere between okay. a seltzer and a soda it's called my muse adaptogens and antioxidants Wow. Jesse's uh, got a Celsius. Those kind of scare the crap out of me, to be they're, honest. They're a little intimidating for me. Yeah, they I'm give not gonna me lie. a little bit of Panera Deadly Lemonade vibes. 
when it is warm enough for me to walk all the way to Panera uh, and carry back to wherever I'm recording, I will. We will do a show where I have the the death lemonade, St. Louis Death Lemonade. Uh, <laughs> okay, St. Louis Bread Company. Only one who hasn't opened my drink. I'll give us the inaugural. Oh, that was good. Perfect. I've got a um. I've got such a bougie little beverage here that I way overpaid for, but I love them. I've got the Kin Euphorics Kin Spritz, which are these like mocktail situations that I'm obsessed with. And this um, one is I've had gently those. caffeinated. Yeah, I've had those. Aren't they they're so good. They're spectacular. I'm mad at how good they are because they are like they are horribly bougie and overpriced. They're so expensive. I think it's four for $16 yeah, before tax. Just an asinine price. Like I'm paying, like it's like like again these are mocktails like the canned mocktails that I buy in in boxes but oh my god they are delicious yeah they are delicious what flavor are you rocking there today so this is the spritz it is um it is herbaceous with a kiss of citrus ginger orange bitters and hibiscus combine with a warming functional with warming functional botanics to deliver a seasonal journey toward enlivened peace if it can do that you got a bargain that i guess that's true four dollars for enlivened peace and yeah i mean cheap at house twice the price that description, though, reminds me of one of the, like, um, Jay Peterman catalog descriptions oh my God. from Seinfeld. Oh, my God. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Oh. I am, Jay not, Peterman. I am not a huge Seinfeld fan, but all the, the entire Jay Peterman uh, arc was spectacular. Elite. Spectacular. I completely agree. Oh, John so O'Reilly. Underrated family feud host for me. Also true. Really? Also true. Should have gotten more run. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, But I guess unlike Steve Harvey, he pays his taxes and isn't (laughs) locked into that studio for the rest of his life. Yeah. Well, Uh. this is really a kind of... We, we we are meeting for a planless pod in a largely sportsless moment, which is quite the combination. <laughs> yeah, we're we're really just asking for trouble with this one. That's how you get six minutes of drink talk. <laughs> right. I will say if if you would like uh if you'd like more sports, there will be a podcast recorded from right here in the Toyota studios uh later this evening. Um That'll be a, a little. Actually, I might do that one from the house because the kids will be asleep by then. Be uh, after the Nixon Rockets, we will be uh, talking with Ace and James. Uh, oh, fun! Be more That'll be good. Sports. You guys can definitely listen to that for real um, discussion of sports because <laughs> yeah. the literal only topic that we have prepared to discuss today is the extremely random McLaren livery drop. <laughs> so my favorite part of this, right? Can I just say this is. They then posted, did we just hard launch our livery? <laughs> someone, is, someone is that the, the admin of the McLaren accounts is like truly 
I, I really feel like it's some girly who is putting her everything into this. And yeah. I love her. Hats off. Or, Hats off to their Or it team. is Lando. Or it's Lando. Yeah, that's true. Holy could be Lando, actually. It's, I would not Lando. put it past him. Yeah, it's Lando with Oscar over <laughs> It's Lando with Oscar over his shoulder Terrible shaking Lando. its head like, what are you doing? <laughs> My hard launch. Um, well, actually, let me let's even back up for people who don't even know what the hell we're talking about. Brit, <laughs> do you want to explain? Do you want to explain what a livery is and the status quo of livery launch? Okay, so uh, for the the newly F one initiated, the livery is just what the car looks like, effectively. Not even what the car looks like, but like the paint job, essentially. And, you know, color scheme and, like, logo placement and whatever. Um, and every year, in usually in February and sometimes, like, late January, each team has a big unveiling. They do a big to-do. There's usually, like, a press conference involved. It's kind of a big shenanigan spiel. Um, and it because it is a big deal, they always, like pre-plan it right like they will tell you a month or two months in advance like hey we're dropping our livery on you know february 12th or whatever and the the f1 account will like tweet out a calendar of like this is when all the livery drops are happening so to just drop it on instagram like without no no pre-announcement no real like i don't think they did any kind of like press beyond that really is deeply chaotic (laughs) Well, and even the way that they led up to it was so chaotic. They, my younger sister texted me and was like, what is McLaren cooking? And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, they're being so sus on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, they were being very weird. But it So they basically archived all of their posts, every post on the McLaren page. And then all of a sudden they were like posting these videos that were like, whatever it takes, like these like hype videos. Yeah. Very, very running back speak hype videos. A hundred percent, which evidence that it's Lando, to be honest. And um, and then they just like dropped the car. They just dropped the livery. And I love it. I think it's really fun. I think it's very like Meanwhile, Ferrari is doing these like little posts where they're like, countdown to our livery drop. It's right. on February 1st or whatever. Which is also what every other team is doing, to be clear. Right. Like that is that is how you do this if you're not McLaren. And I think as a new F1 fan myself, newer F1 fan myself, um, you know, it's so like – I love when somebody breaks the rules very much and I love to see like – like it's like the idea of a livery drop is still stupid to me. I'm like it's right. the paint of the car. Right. Like that's where we're at in this sporting moment. And so I love that McLaren is like, yeah, whatever. We'll just like drop it on Instagram. There's no rules. It's paint. Right. I think the only reason that it probably even like became such a thing thing of like it being this big pomp and circumstance whatever is um one because there's nothing else happening so they're like well we gotta have something like it's such a void so like we 
we just don't exist for months at a time if we don't like hype this as like a sort of in-between thing. And also probably sponsors. Like I'm sure the people who are spending a bunch of money to have their logo and prominent placement on the car would prefer that it be made into a big to-do. But it is, but it's goofy. Like it really is. It's just like, you know what it reminds me of is it reminds me of when um they do the NFL Combine is on television. It reminds me of the NFL Combine. It also reminds me of every baseball award, particularly like the 100%. gold gloves, where it takes them three thousand years to announce the winners when it could be one PDF of a press release and we could be done with it. Like but they really? make it like a four-hour ESPN special. <laughs> the really stupid thing about that is that they make it this four-hour special, like, not at a time when you need it. No, like, it's totally pointless. Like, it's just Rawlings wanting somebody to just say their name 800 times on TV that day. Right, but give give us that in December. Not like, you know, it, it's... Give it to us. Find a, make it a surprise. Hey, when there's been a critical mass of tweets saying, God, free agency is slow. That's the night you drop the gold gloves. I love that. And I think that that is what I will say, having just talked shit about livery drops. I think that more sports should have their version of this because it is such a dead zone for Formula One right now. I guess we should talk about Gunther being fired. I don't know if we have oh my God. gathered since then. So we, we can get not. to that. But it's like we're getting some – I guess we talked about it with um, – we talked about it briefly with Parker last week. But I don't know. Yeah. we didn't get too much into it. Um, but um, it's very like a dead zone. And I like – I like when we just lean into chaos. I think I've said that about Formula One so many times. And and to have a team that's like leaning in extra to the chaos and kind of like acknowledging the silliness of it. Like we were texting about this earlier. It would be so fun if there was a new jersey for every MLB team every year and they treated the new jersey drop like so – dramatically the way that we treat the livery drops. That is what they're trying to do with the City Connects. But they've done it so poorly. It would just be more successful if they didn't suck. They also, like, they keep dropping them in season, which gives them this, like, they feel as rushed as they are. Like, it's such a sloppy enterprise across the board that, like, they're starting to feel like they're almost AI generated. Like here's five landmarks and we incorporated them because they go together. Here's a pizza. I have to say, I will just say uh, you're, you are, this is a rare moment in history because you are never going to find me standing, standing the Washington nationals, but the Nats city connect Jersey, the, the cherry blossom is good. So good. And the city has received it very well. Like, I think that that is – that's the clear out-and-out victor of the city connects to me. The other one I really like – That's one of the ones where they tried. Yeah, that's one of the ones where they tried. Uh, The Padres is the other one that I really like. 
I, I love the Malibu Barbie vibe of the Padres one. It's just so much fun. It is. Yeah. Malibu Barbie is a perfect way to describe it. So wait, Britt, I didn't even – like how many jerseys do the Padres have? Pa- I'm Googling this. Padres – 30, I don't know. I think they probably have five or six. It's it's too goddamn many is the problem. I think that's just right. I, I love every variation on the brown. Um, keep it going, I say. Okay, what so I they want have to the, pro- the Khalil Green, the Khalil Green era sand jerseys. That's what I want back for the Falcons. No, th- this is the thing. Uh, if you want me to take you seriously, stop dressing like a UPS driver. I don't want you to take the Padres seriously. Well, I mean, I don't. But I would presume that that is the Padres' intention. I mean, even at their best, they are barely able to be taken seriously. Come on. Are there? I'm not disagreeing, but I would presume that that is their intention. Are there any other teams that have yellow and brown as their, as far as like major North American sports go? The Wyoming Cowboys. Yeah. Oh, I just think yellow and brown is such a. The original Denver Broncos. They've worn throwbacks a couple of times. Wow. The original Denver Broncos. Interesting. I actually like yellow and brown as a color scheme for the city of San Diego. Something about it kind of like feels right. And I don't really have a problem with it. My thing is I want them to bring back the old logo of literally the friar swinging the bat. Like, they they do have the swing and fryer on some of their alts yeah, now. They have it on some now. I think they do. Yeah, yeah. That's great. It's the craziest thing in the world to me, by the way. Just that, like, there is a logo that's a swinging fryer. So I have to say too that the thing I like about it as a Californian. So for for those of you who are not from California, do not go go through the California public school system. Um, every fourth grader does a project in. A public elementary school. They may do it in private school too. I just know it's part of the public school curriculum and has been for like 50 years. Everyone does a mission project where you pick them one of the California missions and you like build a little diorama and you write a little report on it and whatever. So the mission system at like friars are so, are so deeply ingrained and like the collective consciousness if you grew up here, I think, that I find that part of it particularly charming. Like, you know, independent of the genocide and the uh, socio-political issues of the mission system. I just, I, I appreciate that, that part. That was a long time ago. Look, you know. Long ago genocide, unlike, you know, current genocides. That's what we have to worry about. Right. Uh. Uh. You know, we, have we need more sports. Lot. What'd you say? I said we need more sports because all of social media is in just like, no, I don't want more news here. I mean, it is absolutely insane to go. We, we don't need to spend too much time here, but it is absolutely insane to be like scrolling through my Instagram and be like, oh, my God, McLaren dropped their livery. Oh, my God. Most of people in Gaza are literally on the verge of famine uh-huh. and going to die. Like it is so. Right. It is really such a dark little mix there. Ugh. This is not a novel take, obviously, but wow, it never gets better. Right. Oh, look, the Orioles posted their like little like movie thing that they made about last season. And also Israel bombed a hospital. Like this is not awesome. Yeah. It's, it's deranged. Yeah. 
Honestly, well, this is why I spend more time. In, obviously, in... what was that, Jesse? I was say, honestly, like this is why I spend more time in the in the F one app, in the NASCAR app, in the NBA yeah. app. Well, uh, it is. I think we've talked I know about what I'm this. Get. Like I have not app. been. Yeah, I have not been on Discord that much lately. But like, this is also why Discord, I think, is more the way that our sports conversations are going like to be able to have them in a dedicated place with people who care and then to be able to like leave the space when you want to leave the space i think it's so valuable so join our discord is i think what i'm saying yeah we will we will be more active on there because we need a place to actually communicate about our business and that seems like a decent combination of ideas uh that's two thirds of a, of the people in this particular meeting. So yeah, you're listening okay. live to a casual diehard uh, business meeting. Go to casualdiehard.com where eventually uh, there'll be more stuff right now. There's, there's already a lot of good stuff though. You guys should buy some stuff. There is. You just kind of have to scour through it to, to get to, yeah, but that's, it's worth again, it. It is. Yeah. Me and Keanu so, are talking later today. Wait, what did you say? Stuff. I said me and Keelan are talking later today. She's good at website. She's so good. Um, okay, so just to double back, we have had a lot of conversation about baseball F1 anal- like, you know, analogs here. Analog, is that the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't think we've ever pondered the question. If the Padres were a Formula One team, who would they be? Okay, I think they're Alpine for what it's worth. I can see that Alpine. Was I, was, I, was I was kind of Alpha thinking Williams too. My other thought. Yeah. Williams has too much history and like prominence to be the Padres, I think. Like Williams, I think, is more like the Reds or the Pirates. Mm, yeah, that that's true. The Reds, that makes sense to me for Williams. I think LP is guess good. George Russell makes Joey Votto. And that's that's our, our comp in this no. scenario, potentially. No, Lewis Hamilton is Joey Votto. That's exactly what I was going to mm-hmm. say. There you go. There you go. Well, but yeah. yeah. George, George Russell is like, honestly, I can't even make this joke without looking up the Reds roster. <laughs> Who's Who else is on the Reds? They have a lot of exciting young guys. They have like oh, they have Ellie Ellie Cruz. Cruz. They have Hunter Green. Okay, okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. It may really make Alex Albon Joey Votto more because Alex Albon is still there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This is. This is. Uh. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I okay. Actually, here's a topic we should discuss. I texted you guys this recently. I feel that 2024 is really my year. It's really my Alex Albon era. I'm putting the stake in the ground right now. This is going to be an incredible year for Alex Albon. I think Williams is going to like surprise a lot of people. I think that um, I just I've, – I've liked Alex Albon, but something really clicked for me recently – that he is so fun. I love his girlfriend. I love them together. I think he's such a talented driver. He's been through so much already. And 
I feel really ready to solidly stand him in 2024. I love him. And I also think that Alex is a little bit, he's like a low-key Charles situation too, in that he has outdriven his car. And that I think he probably gets underestimated because the car's been shit. And so it's really easy to like, oh, whatever, he's at the back of the grid. But he's pulled off some really amazing things. And again, that car is garbage. That's where I I love it for you, Addie, to to find this and to latch onto it. But remember what you just said and what Britt just said, that these are the San Diego Padres that you're getting into here. And like, yeah, Manny Machado is cool and fun and like a, a joy to watch, but don't don't hope for it to really go well. Well, I'll say what I've said so many times when we've had this discussion, which is I'm a Mets fan. I know how this goes. I know exactly how this goes. And I'm actually, as we discussed last week, I'm in a Zen place with the Mets specifically, but I am, I have taken all of my delusion about the Mets and I have put it into Ferrari. I am a hundred percent convinced that Charles is going to win multiple races this coming season. I am a hundred percent convinced that Lando is going to get his first win. I am a hundred percent convinced that Alex Albon and my newfound standing for him is not going to hurt me. And that this is not going to be a max perfect season, even though of everything I have just said, that is 100 million percent the best bet of all of those things. (laughs) But look, we've talked about this before, right? That, the whole point of sports to an extent is to go into every season thinking that it could be your year. Now, will you eventually be proven wrong? Yes. Statistically, you probably will. But what are you doing if you can't go into it thinking that? And we had a moment last year where we were all sure um, that we were all so sure that Max would win every race the rest of the season that it was a hot take when like I, I said it was a hot take and you guys like, that's not a hot take, but it yeah. was a hot take and he didn't win every, every race, the rest and of the it season. was that, that's sports. I mean, and, it is, it is the joy of watching a dominant athlete, right? Is that there is a moment where something weird happens. Yeah. That was that race like, was one of the honestly one of the high, like sports highlights of my life. That was so incredible. It was awesome. It was I will never forget awesome. I will never forget several things happening at once. The first being our TV was fucked up. So I watched that race on my phone. Like oh my God. literally laying with the phone like right up against my eyes watching this race, heart a flutter. Never have I been more nervous watching a race. And then 
to get to the end and have several things happen at once. The first being that the fucking British broadcast crew was a thousand percent convinced that Carlos was going to fall out of the lead, out of podium position, and that we were going to have three Brits on the podium and they would not shut the fuck up about it. And I've never hated the British more. And then the obviously the moment of classic Ferrari of them coming over the radio to Carlos and being like Lando 0.8 behind with DRS and Carlos saying it's on purpose. It's on purpose. (laughs) And then soon after that, George sending the car into a fucking wall. Oh my God. I literally collapsed to the ground. It was a, it was a, it was, I, I had already truly fallen in love with Formula One, but it was a moment that cemented it forever for me as I was like, it is worth every time I have watched Max win a race by 30 seconds for this moment right now. You know what that is for me? And I will spin this again toward uh, subscribe to our feed because there's a basketball show coming. Uh, Larry Johnson's four-point play against the Pacers, uh, which was ultimately obviously not on the way to a championship or anything, but just a moment where it was like, holy crap, anything really is possible here. And what that team was doing and, you know, they were always underdogs and, but, this was this was one time when it, it paid off for the underdog. The other thing with that is that that was the same day as the Yankee Mets game where El Duque threw his glove to first base. I love which, that. Is there any like El Duque should go to the Hall of Fame like and I think that it's not fair that he didn't get any kind of like real consideration for it cuz like not necessarily like you know, hockey has like the builders category for their Hall of Fame. And the Hockey Hall of Fame is an even bigger waste of time than the Baseball Hall of Fame as far as who is and isn't a Hall of Famer. El Duque, like, bridging the gap from Cuba to the United States and like being such a fucking showman and the way that he stood up and delivered in the playoffs year after year after year, including for the White Sox. Like, no, are his numbers I, – I know his numbers are nothing near Hall of Fame, and he's not a Hall of Famer by the standards of what the Baseball Hall of Fame is. Unfortunately, what I've come around to is that the standards of the Baseball Hall of Fame suck ass. They do. They do. Actually, and it's funny because I was having a similar conversation with one of my best friends the other day that um, this – Hall of Fame ballot this year in particular and like the next couple I think as well are really they're really gonna make me mad I I am afraid because you've got a handful of players who had their careers really permanently altered by injuries and Managed to fight through that anyway, because you obviously you've got David Wright and Joe Maurer this year. Right. Got Godspeed. I love I who I both of whom I love desperately. And then in another couple of years, 
which feels fake. I don't know how this is true. Buster Posey is going to be on the ballot for the first time. And those are three guys who do still have incredible numbers. Like they put together spectacular careers, I think, by really any measure. But you, I also feel like it's just kind of impossible to look at those players and the impact and the gravity of them on those franchises and not sort of take into consideration the fact that like, look, they did this while having their bodies fucking betray them. Like, you know, I me along in a lot of ways, like, I think that, I mean, you're, you're the Giants fan. You tell me what you think of this. Like, I think that's a hundred percent going to be the conversation about David Wright, but there's the element with David Wright that he never won a world series. And, and yeah. not that I think that winning a world series is the defining thing for getting into the hall of fame. Like, I think it's a quite stupid thing. It requires mm. so many other things to go right beyond <laughs> right. one person's talent. Yeah. But the argument for Buster Posey, I think, is going to be he won, what, three? Four? He, three. Yeah. yeah. And and Buster Posey also, like, he's a little bit of a unique case because he also won literally every award there is to win. Right. Like, I think that if I, I, like, I, I jokingly I, said he should have come spent a couple of years as a reliever so he could win a Cy Young because it's the only thing that he didn't win. <laughs> I think that that honestly, I think he's going to be. I, I think it's not going to be a big debate with him. Yeah, I think he. I think he's going to coast in, and I think that he should. And yeah, is it fair that you're judged on rings? No, but Buster Posey was in the fabric of October for like he was. He was one of the guys that you would use to advertise the playoffs because that's going to be a draw and. Right. I I hate to say this, but it is it is one of my most you know my hottest Mets takes. I guess is I don't think David Wright belongs in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I think the Mets really? should absolutely retire number five, but he he did, was not transcendent in a way that Buster Posey was, and in a way that I think you can argue. Joe Maurer was like Joe Maurer is the Minnesota twins to so many people. So what about player on the Mets and captain of the Mets and incredibly meaningful to the Mets, but the Mets have always been in a team that is about their number one pitcher. Well, so that's that's always that's Jesse. That's exactly what I was going to ask you next. And this is, we're really, we're really playing the hits today on this podcast. Our plan (laughs) podcast has just been like, Let's revisit our favorite topics of conversation. Can I can I just amend what I just said first? It, sure. Which is even the Piazza years. Piazza as a catcher is with the pitcher every day, and they had amazing pitching in the infield. Go ahead, Adam. So, well, okay. So I have two things. The first is let's all just take a moment to agree that Keith Goddamn Hernandez should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, he's 100%. the greatest defensive first baseman in the history of the game. His clips stand up today, and he played forty years ago. It that that yeah. one specific play where he—you'll know exactly what I'm talking yes. about. Where he's—I don't—I moved my hand, and Jesse knew what I was talking about. It is—you describe it, Jesse. You're going to describe it better than me. 
uh, Keith Hernandez come. There's he knows a bunt's coming, uh, so he comes down from first base, pinches in. So this is with a runner on second. So he grabs the ball, throws it to third, gets the runner out of third. Nobody else even does this now. He's the only guy you've ever seen do it, and he did it all the time. It, exactly. Right. It, it is amazing to me. And, and it honestly feels like the sort of thing that should have developed really strongly, especially pre-shift rules. Like, that they're tr- – like, I, I mean, it's just – it's um, every – it's the coolest thing ever to see him do. And Keith is – very personally hurt, as we all know, from spending time with the SNY booth <laughs> 162 times a-, a year. Keith is very hurt by not being in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> as as he should be, because like he's the best defensive first baseman you've ever seen. He was a heck of a hitter. He was a clutch dude who was an MVP in St. Louis and you know, won World Series in two different cities and i think to your point about buster posey being the fabric of october like keith keith has some of that as well as that sense of being really the fabric of the mets like to this day keith had the cachet to be on seinfeld and it not be too new yorky of a reference i'm keith hernandez (laughs) right i think um I think sort of what this exposes is the larger problem with the Hall of Fame is that the Hall of Fame doesn't understand what its job is. Yes. Well, and Britt, you made this point a few months ago at this point that I think about a lot, which is, and then this this takes me back to the original question that I was going to ask Jesse, as far as whether David Wright deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And to be completely honest, I, I think you're right in some ways. I think as Mets fans, we are often biased about David Wright, who is an incredible person, an incredible captain of the team. Like some of the stories of what he even like this is this has nothing to do with the Hall of Fame, but it really makes me love him. Some of the stories of his interactions with fans and just like how deeply he loves to this day, he deeply loves the Mets community. Like it's really moving to me. I a hundred percent think they should retire his number. Like there's no doubt about it. But I think it, Buster Posey is such an interesting comparison because to me, there's no question that Buster Posey should be in the Hall of Fame. I kind of agree with you, Jesse. Like, I think that it's a little bit of a stretch to argue that David Wright should be in the Hall of Fame, which leads me to maybe the hotter take that I I can't remember how you feel about this one, Jesse. But I think Jacob deGrom should be in the Hall of Fame. And I don't know what to do with that because – he hasn't won a World Series. He's had a career derailed by injury. Yes, he has. Oh, my God. Yes, he has. You're so right. Oh, ring. In the he technically has that ring. Jesus Christ. Oh, my but God. What do we do with that? And, Britt, your point recently was the standards for pitchers in the Hall of Fame have been very solid for decades where it's, you know, right. innings pitched wins, ERA, strikeouts, World Series, Cy Youngs, particularly as far as innings pitched and wins go, the the world of starting pitchers is, is a brave new world. And so at what point do we start to adjust our sense of what it means to be a Hall of Fame starting pitcher 
now. And, and I think yeah. Jacob deGrom is really a fascinating test case for that. I think the thing is, is that you need to sort of, it, there, I feel like there's kind of two paths, right? And that uh, the voters need to accept that either of them is valid, I think. that, uh, And just to piss off everyone, I will use Jacob deGrom and Garrett Cole as our as comparison points here, right? They are kind of polar opposites as pitchers in that Cole's going to go out there and he's going to try and go absolutely as far into a game as possible. He's going to give you 30 plus starts every year. He's going to give you 200 plus innings every year. He's going to give you 200 plus strikeouts every year. And you can like, you can count on that. He is knockwood. Oh my God. He has been incredibly durable. He's been incredibly reliable. He's been the kind of guy that you look at at the top of your staff and go, this is great. And he has moments where he is transcendent, right? Like there are games when you're like, holy shit. Jacob deGrom is in the Tim Lincecum mold in that like he shows up and he's just on a different planet. Like he is not the prototypical like when you think of an ace, this is what you think of, which is kind of more the Garrett Cole or like Justin Verlander too, mold. Whereas DeGrom is just this like kind of alien where like he drops in and does these absurd things that nobody else can do, but he could only manage to do it for five innings. He could only manage to do it for so many starts a year. And I don't think either of those is less valuable. I... I'm glad that you brought up Lincecum because that to me is an example. He to me is an example of where the hall of fame is so wrong is that he's a guy that I remember paying to go see pitch because I was excited. His turn in the giants rotation lined up with their trip to New York and I was free and I was going to go see Tim Lincecum pitch. Right. That's Hall of Fame shit. Right. That's my thing. It's like, if you can do that, I kind of don't care how long you did it for. And of course, that's what it felt like with DeGrom. It was like literally the most exciting day of the week. And I, I I would move mountains to make sure that I could be home or God forbid that I could be there in person. Like it's so – and, you know, my my boyfriend who when we started dating, you know, it's been four and a half years, he was not a huge baseball fan. And early in our relationship, Jacob deGrom was at his peak. And really we would watch deGrom and, and he was like, I – get it. He got so excited and it made him fall in love with baseball to see what DeGrom could do. And, 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 you know, I've said this to both of you before. I think we all agree that like, to me, the hall of fame is also a way of telling the story of baseball. And this is also why I think that Barry Bonds should be in the hall of fame. Like what a ridiculous, what a ridiculous hole to have if all of these guys who were on steroids or believed to be on steroids are not in the Hall of Fame. What are we doing? What are we doing? Well, especially because it's such moving of goalposts. Like, anybody from the generation before will tell you about the bowls of amphetamine sitting around in every clubhouse. 
I mean, like, maybe this kind of keeps Fernandez out, you know? <laughs> but there, there, really, is, come on. So there is one way that the goalposts have not moved, which is uh, I just had to Google it. Johnny Sane is not in the Hall of Fame. And he damn well should be. Because just at the top of his baseball reference page, 3X All-Star, 3X World Series, and the dude is the other part of Spawn Insane and Pray for Rain. Right. Wow. Iconic. But, yeah. Like, what are we doing if, if not telling the story? And no, he absolutely by the numbers does not add up. Uh, but I don't, I don't give a fuck about pie trainer. Nobody does. So the dude's name was pie. I mean, so incredible he's, name. He's mind yeah. when you're talking about shitty hall of famers. So here's also an interesting thought exercise. Mike Trout. I I've been writing about the angels recently. So I've been thinking a lot about Trout and a lot about Shohei. I think, Mm-hmm. Clearly, Shohei's headed to the Dodgers to win a World Series. I think clearly Shohei's in the Hall of Fame. I think it's like – I don't really – I can't even imagine what would have to happen at this point. His career, I truly feel, could end tomorrow and Shohei's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Mike Trout yeah. is a very interesting case to me. So he has now been on the Angels for what? He came up in uh, – he Wait, came up in 2011. Are you – Going to lay out a Mike Trout is not a Hall of Famer case? I'm going to ask you if Mike Trout's career ends now, having yes. never been to the playoffs it, with the Angels. He, was, he, Mike Trout he, went, he, went, he went once. He oh, went they went once. one time and they lost. They didn't win a single game. <laughs> I mean, I think absolutely yes. I think absolutely yes. He has because one more playoff hit than I do. There you go. But yes. Fair enough. So, absolutely, it's yes. Another Jacob Degrom World Series. No, and and I will I will explain why. Right. I think if it was a situation of like the Angels really fell apart in the playoffs and he just like didn't show up and whatever, then eh, maybe you use that against him. The Angels are a dumpster fire of an organization. Horrid. And beyond. Like, no, no power on Mike Trout's earth or anyone else's can counteract I, that. <laughs> I cannot believe that we are having this conversation. This is a dude who was the best player alive for a solid decade, and it took right. literally Shohei Otani showing up to move him aside from that title. Mike Trout is a unanimous Hall of Famer. Or they should just completely abolish voting for it. And I think that's fair. I think that's 100% fair. Because what I'm trying to raise here is I still think there is a – it's kind of like the thing that people held against Messi, that he hadn't won a World Cup. Something that Leo Messi, I would have said, could not personally do himself. That much like a World Series required so much to go right until Leo Messi personally won the World <laughs> Cup. Right. But – it is, I think, uh, this is, I think, the interesting thing about how, especially, I think, old-timey Hall of Fame voters look at many of these people is World Series rings, is, like, a, a, a play, like, I think that's going to be the knock against Mike Trout, which is the only knock possible against Mike Trout until he wins. 
Well, yeah, think, I think that even that. I think is the not other no, and I think the other element with Mike Trout is that he is again kind of like kind of the opposite of like a Degrom or a Lincecum in that he's not. I don't want to say he's not compelling, but he's not like. There's not that same like, oh my god, who is this weirdo? Well, it's actually one of the things that I love about Mike Trout. Right. He's the most normal man in the world. And to be clear, I think Mike Trout should be in the Hall of Fame, obviously, even if his career ended tomorrow. But I think it is – you're right. It's like what Mike Trout has done is really – I mean, recently he's had injuries, but for a long time he showed up every goddamn day and he just played the best baseball consistently. And he is – deeply boring man and he is he loves the weather and that's pretty much the only fact we know about him and then this is also why the show hey of it all is so fascinating and why I did love having them on the angels together is that you have this boring regular ultra consistent elite baseball player who just goes out and does it every day and then you have a literal superhero. Like, right, right. The reincarnation of Babe Ruth. Like, you it's have a just, unicorn. It's, like, it's the funniest comparison. And, and it just never gets old that that's what the Angels had for six years. <laughs> and they couldn't pull it down. Take us out on this thought Mike Trout on a better team could have been Max Verstappen. Wow. Yeah. 100%. 100%. How much longer does he have with the Angels? He signed like a 10-year contract, right? A thousand years or something, it feels like. It it really does feel like forever. I I mean, I want to see him – I want to see him play somewhere else very badly. He deserves to play on a team that can, like, win. (laughs) There's a 30 This is some Charles shit. Yeah. He could be Max and instead he's Charles. Yep. Oh, Hmm. that's brutal. (laughs) That hurts. That hurts. But Charles is going to win multiple races this year. There you go. He's going to turn shit around. He, I he truly, may have to I literally believe messy it. it and just bodily drag that team to competence, but I visualize it every hey. night. I visualize it him lifting the trophy over his head on the top step while Lando spikes champagne on the on the second one. <laughs> and breaks <laughs> and breaks the trophy. And breaks the trophy. <laughs> Alright. Well, Brit, Addy, I'm Jesse. Uh Thank you guys, as always, for being part of this. And thanks everyone for listening. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell your uh, enemies. Tell your enemies this. Yeah. Tell them, tell them that there's this show that you hate. Um, <laughs> and that they absolutely should listen. And I don't, yeah, don't tell your enemies. Don't interact with your enemies. Avoid them. That's, Have, that's really Look, better. as... as- as I do, drink a Kin Euphorics Kin Spritz and you're going to be delivered a sensorial journey towards enlivened peace. And that should be, that, that's my wish for all of you. 
Yeah, I, I had this Celsius and I am vibrating. <laughs> uh, well, stay tuned for the basketball and then the future death lemonade episode of uh, Captain Heart. Andiamo Ferrari! Ferrari! Love you. <laughs>